0: Welcome back, everyone. <clears throat> Welcome back to This Week in Fake Ball, the podcast of the RBA, the only regularly scheduled podcast that we have. And I am the host of said podcast, uh, Arizona head coach, CEO, GM, and all the rest, Jeff Hobbs. Uh, today is what, uh, February the 3rd, 2022. This is episode number 27, also episode uh, 2 of season 3, I suppose, and this podcast serves as your respite, your relief uh, from the one-man leper colony that is Commissioner J.R. Richardson. Anyway, we are still in the, uh, we're still in that, uh, that period of calm between two seasons it is, uh, it is February, so RBA weekend is still more than a month off. I guess it's going to be mid-March, so about, about six weeks away or whatever. Uh, but in any case, I've got some stuff to go over with you, which I hope you'll enjoy. And I'm actually going to begin here. I'm actually going to begin with RBA trivia. So uh, we did RBA trivia last time, I think. It's a semi-regular feature in this podcast. Here goes. <clears throat> This, uh, this question is a tough one, but it was inspired by the fact that in the upcoming RBA championship, the third and fourth seeds will be playing each other. And so here's the trivia question, um, going back to 2007, so 2007 through 2020, that has happened two other times. The three and four seeds have met in the finals. Prior to 2007, there were only two teams that made the playoffs. They went right to the finals. Uh, But from 2007 through 2020, twice, it's been the case that the third and fourth seeds have met in the finals. See if you can name the two seasons that happened. I told you it was a tough one. It's a bit of a brain buster, but give it a shot if if you feel like it. Oh, I should mention the seedings historically have gone... Well, I think most of you know this already, but the top two seeds go to the two division winners, and back when we had three divisions, the top three seeds went to the three division winners, and so the wild cards were seeded last, even if they had better records than one or more of the division winners. So, just so you know that, just throwing that out there to clarify. Okay, Um, so we are at a point in the podcast where I get to talk about RBA season 2013. Okay. So what happened? Well, as I mentioned, the RBA contracted at the end of 2012. Uh, So it was goodbye, Dave, and goodbye, Doug Punt, all right? So Orlando and um, Baltimore are out of the league. The divisions remain the quote-unquote same. The Larkin division was sort of the old rivalry of Arizona, Elm Grove, Las Vegas, plus the Tingler brothers. And then the other division was the other five teams. The Puckett division was the other five teams, again, without Orlando now. Also worth mentioning, the uh, the 2013 draft was really strong. And the top three picks all had a long-term impact on the league. The top three picks were Mike Trout to SoCal, Steven Strasburg to Arizona, and Edwin Encarnacion to Las Vegas. Vegas actually traded Encarnacion to uh, Arizona. I want to say the next season, but anyway, Trout, Strasburg, and How's that for a one, two, three? And actually, if you look down the rest of the first round, it was pretty impressive as well. So anyway, and most of the picks were. So here's what I've done. I have um, I have recreated the 2013 spreadsheets. This one was fortunately easy to do, because. Um, there weren't many trades. So let me give you the adjusted beginning of season scores. We'll go division by division, top to bottom, as always. So starting in the Larkin division, the team with the highest score on opening day was the Las Vegas Effect with a 135. 135 is not quite in like greatest teams of all time territory, but it's close. You're, You're getting up into super great status. Um, When you're talking about, you know, scores in the 130s. Elm Grove, a 120. That is borderline great. That's kind of like 95, 96 wins, something like that. Arizona, a 109. So a tough top three in the Larkin. And then there's a drop. Atlanta, a 68. Uh, The average is set to 80. So Atlanta, just a little bit below average. And Dunedin was a 50. Over in the pocket, uh, the Templar Knights, a 130, just a little bit behind Elm, uh, behind Vegas uh, of the Larkin, 130 for SoCal, Fort Duquesne a 126, and watch this drop off, from a 126 for Fort Duquesne at number two in the division to a 55 for Pittsburgh, at number three, then you've got the State College cows at a 27. That is that is in horrible range, and uh, and how about this one? The Silver City Vultures started the season with a score of negative 20. That is probably the lowest score I've calculated to date. I'm pretty sure that it is, at least, you know, 2001 through 2013. That is indescribably bad. And I should have mentioned this before, but we went into 2013 knowing that Silver City was going to be hilariously terrible. And they did not disappoint in that regard. Um, John had some fun with that team. So we start the season. Um, The outlook is you know, kind of a, a season of haves and have-nots, right? You've got the five really strong teams with scores between 109 and 135. And then the five weak teams with scores between 68 all the way down to negative 20. So so a big gap between five and six, I guess you would say. Only four teams will make the playoffs. So, so one really good team is going to get uh, shafted a bit and miss the playoffs. But, uh, But after 20 games... Here is where things stood. Um, SoCal was 14 and six. Arizona and Fort Duquesne were 13 and seven. And I know you want to know about Silver City. They were five and 15. Okay, so let's uh, we we make our way to the All Star break, which back in those days happened after round or week, as Jr. called it. 42, so 42 games out of 81 was kind of where the where the All-Star break happened. And uh, two notable records at the All-Star break. Fort Duquesne had shot up to 30 and 12. 30 wins, 12 losses. Silver City, get this, Silver City was 10 and 32. They were worse than the Corsairs were good. The Corsairs, again, were 30 and 12. The Vultures were 10 and 32. That that's a pretty striking record, I would say. So now I'm gonna give you the final spreadsheet scores. Here they are, uh, division by division, top to bottom. There were only, I believe, five trades after draft day or at least after opening day. So the scores did not change much. The trades themselves were, were not huge. I mean, some of them were moderate size or whatever impact, but there was not a single huge trade after opening day. So these scores aren't going to change very much. Las Vegas bumped themselves up from a 135 to a 139. Elm Grove dropped to a 115. I believe they sold me Grant Balfour, um, I think. Arizona bumped themselves up from a 109 to a 114. Atlanta was a 63. They sold a little, and Dunedin sold a little as well. They were a 44 at the end. So Las Vegas, 139. Elm Grove, 115. Arizona, 114. Atlanta, 63, and Dunedin, 44. That was the Larkin division. Now for the Puckett. Um, SoCal goes from a 130 to a 131. They probably didn't do anything at all. Fort Duquesne, 126 to 127. Pittsburgh, a 52. Silver um, State College, rather, a 28. And Silver City, believe it or not, got better. They made a trade, and I don't remember. I don't have it with me, but Silver City actually went from a negative 20 to a negative 13. Negative 13 is still incredibly bad, uh, but it is better than negative 20. It has to be said. Okay, so we finished the actual 2013 season, and here were the standings. Winning the Larkin division and overachieving the Arizona Greenbacks, 53-28. and 28. Um there were uh, there have been some overachieving greenback teams over the last decade and, and this was kind of maybe the top one 53 and 28 Elm Grove 45 and 36 they claim a playoff spot third place Las Vegas does not Las Vegas they of the 135 and then later a 139 score Really had terrible luck. 44 and 37. This is a 50-win team. It it, it should have been a 50-win team. Maybe even a little more, but probably about that. 44 and 37. They finished nine games behind Arizona. One game behind Elm Grove. Elm Grove got the four seed. They missed the playoffs. Uh, Dunedin, 33 and 48. Atlanta, 32 and 49. Over in the pocket, get this. Fort Duquesne, finishes 55 and 26. They finish with the best record in the league. Arizona's 53 wins in 81 games was not enough to get the best record in the league. Fort Duquesne's 55 wins was. Uh, Second place, SoCal, 50 and 31, probably about what they should have done. State College finishes third at 36 and 45. Pittsburgh, fourth place, 33 and 48. And Silver City finishes 24 and 57. We talked about them as possibly the worst team in RBA history at that point. In fact, maybe, probably, I don't know, I don't remember, but this is maybe the most infamously inept team ever. Maybe. Um, and probably to that point, I guess. Uh, but they don't break the record for worst season ever. 08 Orlando hangs on to that record for a while longer. Uh, what else to say about the 2013 season? Well, The Pedro Martinez Award was won easily by Justin Verlander, Fort Duquesne's ace, or rather maybe one of Fort Duquesne's two aces. Because get this, this is an interesting fact. So as I said, Justin Verlander um, wins the Pedro Martinez Award with 29 points in the voting. Clayton Kershaw finishes second, and Kershaw was also uh, on those Fort Duquesne Corsairs, as I guess he still is. With 15 points, all other pitchers combined for 16 points. So basically it was Fort Duquesne, uh, Verlander Kershaw, right? Of Fort Duquesne, 44 points total. Everybody else, 16 total. Verlander easily winning it. The MVP of the league, get this. This is a fun name for you. I had this guy one year when he was really good, but it wasn't this year. The MVP of the league, who possibly remembers this? was SoCal second baseman, Aaron Hill. Aaron Hill, in fact, uh, finished with 26 points and that was twice as many as second place Miguel Cabrera of Silver City. Aramis Ramirez of Fort Duquesne finished with 12 points in the voting. Uh, The coach of the year was actually a three-way tie, sort of. Uh, I say three-way tie, it was a three-way tie between two teams. Parker and Baker of Fort Duquesne, co-coaching that team as they always have. And Donnie McCullough of SoCal. So we have three coaches of the year, kinda. The rookie of the year was first overall, dra- uh, first overall draft pick, Mike Trout, despite a somewhat disappointing season for him. And now we go to the 2013 playoffs. All right, I'll run through these pretty quickly in the interest of uh, time. but uh, But in the first round... Fort Duquesne, the number one seed, played Elm Grove, the number four seed, and beat them four games to three. So Elm Grove put them to the test, but fell short in the end. SoCal defeated Arizona, so the three, the three seed defeated the two seed, um, four games to three, another best of seven series that went all seven. And I actually remember I was up three to one in that series. That, that one kind of hurt. Um So then in the championship, we have the number one seed Fort Duquesne, so 2013 is not the answer, not one of the two answers to our trivia question. Anyway, the number one seed Fort Duquesne wins the whole thing, they defeat SoCal, four games to two, so all three series do not go the full seven games, the RBA championship goes six. Uh, Great playoffs that year, 20 out of the 21 possible games were played. Uh, So now, let's talk about the replays that I ran. I'm going to go division by division, top to bottom, as I typically do, as is my one. Here goes. So winning the uh, Larkin division, and remember that these replays are 162 games each. Winning the Larkin with an average of 99.2 wins, the Las Vegas effect, the team that missed the playoffs in real life, they made the playoffs 20 out of 20 times here. Um, this is the first time in a out of a lot of times that Cooper really got screwed. Maybe not the first, but anyway. Uh, second place in the Larkin division with 93.4 average wins and 19 out of 20 playoff appearances. Your beloved Arizona Greenbacks, 93.4. Okay, third place, not surprisingly, given the top two, Elm Grove averages 84.7, that number seems a little low to me, Uh, 84.7, seven playoff appearances out of 20, the Elm Grove Cardinals. Fourth place was Dunedin, 76.7 wins, they did have one playoff appearance as the four seed. And finally, in last place, Atlanta, 68.4 average wins out of 162, no playoff appearances. We move to the Puckett Division, now, remember, Las Vegas won the Larkin with 99.2 wins, winning the pucket with 97.1. So Las Vegas wins the whole thing for 2013. Uh, not surprisingly, SoCal, 97.1. It was not Fort Duquesne, but SoCal, which, I mean, Fort Duquesne had a, had a great team, but I had, had SoCal as being even better. Um, they do finish in first here in, in the division. 97.1, uh average replay wins, and 20 out of 20 playoff appearances. Fort Duquesne, not too shabby, 89.1 wins, 13 out of 20 playoff appearances. They finished second. Um, State College, 69. Oh, actually third place would have been Pittsburgh, 72.9, zero playoff appearances. State College, 69.7, zero playoff appearances. I should also mention that SoCal, Going back to them for just a second, SoCal actually had the best replay of any team. There was one replay in which they went 114 and 48, and the last place team in the league, I'll just say by about 10 by about 10 wins, uh, Silver City 58.7, and that's actually higher than I expected. I thought they'd be down around 50. Um, they did have the worst again, 58.7 for Silver City. Of course, no playoff appearances. Um, they uh, they had the worst replay of anybody. It was actually the twentieth out of the twenty that I ran. The last one they went forty eight and one fourteen, the inverse of SoCal's best uh, replay in the entire league. Forty eight and one fourteen for Silver City. They will be the ass of twenty thirteen and see if well they'll they'll see if they can become the, the new ass of the league. Okay, so anyway, back. Ladies and gentlemen, back to RBA trivia. I've run through a lot here. I hope I didn't forget anything. Um, I'm I'm right. I'm riffling through my papers here, and I think we're good. So anyhow, um, let's go back to RBA trivia. I need to explain something. So I believe that there are two correct answers here. I'm pretty sure there are. It's possible that I made a mistake. But I'm gonna have to explain the logic here. So I'll try to do it as quickly as I can. So the first correct answer is the one I'm not sure about. In other words, I'm not sure if it's correct, but I think it is. 2007. So here's the deal with 2007. Okay, so JR may or may not have had a rule. I don't remember for sure that, the, um, that two teams in the same division could not play in the first round of the playoffs, okay? Um, let's say that that was not the rule. Let's say that that was not the rule. Okay, um, if that's the case, well, let me first say what happened. In the first round, the wild card, Orlando, played State College, okay? If Orlando plays State College, then State College, and and, and that's, um, uh, let's say, not the rule, then State College is the number one seed, right? And Orlando beats them. Orlando is clearly the number four seed. Arizona played Las Vegas in the first round and Arizona had the higher of the two seeds because we were the home team in game one, which would mean that Arizona's the two seed and Vegas is the three seed. Well, Vegas beat Arizona. So that puts the three and four seeds against each other in the finals, Las Vegas and Orlando again, which is what happened. Okay. So that's if that rule was not in place. If that rule was in place, then it gets trickier. If that rule was in place, here's what happens. Okay, so I know that Arizona did not play Orlando, and also I have no idea how long that rule was in place. I I have no idea. Anyway, we do know that Arizona did not play Orlando in the first round, and there's one thing I should have mentioned. (laughs) I really should have mentioned this at the top. The three division winners all went 50 and 31. That's what makes this tricky. Okay, I should have said that at the very beginning. The three division winners all went 50 and 31. Orlando went 48 and 33 as the definite number four seed. Anyway, Orlando did not play Arizona in the first round. Now, if the rule was that the that two teams from the same division cannot play in the first round, then, all right, well, then here's the, here are the possibilities, right? Arizona is either the number one or the number two seed because... Orlando played State College. And I'm assuming, I am making assumption here, but I'm assuming that if Orlando, uh, if Arizona could not play Orlando, then it would be like, like the, um, the next highest seed, right? Which would have to be State College. State College, in other words, plays Orlando instead of Vegas. You see what I mean? So Arizona is the one or two seed and State College is the other one or two seed. And Vegas has to be the three seed. Okay, And if that happens, then everything kind of works out again the same way. Um, State college, the one or two seed falls to Orlando. Arizona has a higher seed than Vegas. Arizona's one or two, Vegas has to be three because Arizona had home field in game one and Vegas beats Arizona. So either way, the three and four seeds have to be Las Vegas and Orlando based upon how this all played out. So there's your daily lesson in logic, I guess. Um, And I might've made a mistake here somewhere. I might be misremembering something. This was after all about 15 years ago. So uh, anyway, if I'm wrong about any of that, JR can certainly correct me. He can set me straight and I'm sure he'll be happy to. But I think I've got the logic correct there. I think no matter what, I think no matter whether that record was in place, no matter what, um, <laughs> no matter if that record was in place or not, or that that rule, I should say, I think we have the three and four seeds playing each other in the 2007 RBA Championship. The other one is a lot easier to figure out because there's not all this ambiguity. You don't have all these ties in the, at the top of the standings. Um, oh, I should mention that in 2007, number four Orlando did defeat number three Las Vegas in the RBA Championship. So the four seed won the whole thing there. The other season, where the three seed played the four seed, uh, was 2009. Let me just pull that up quickly. So in 2009, we had uh, three divisions again, and the number one seed was definitely Buffalo. Buffalo played the wild card, uh, and uh, which was, uh, hang on for a second. 2009 is a little bit tricky. Any in any case, the uh, the two teams in the RBA championship were Las Vegas. And they were definitely the three seed. They were the, they had the worst record of the three division winners and Dunedin, who was the wild card. So yeah, it was the, it was the the worst, the, the, the number three seed, the, the weakest of the three division winners by record and the wild card. So the three and four seeds definitely played in the RBA championship of 2009 and number three seeded Las Vegas defeated number four seeded Dunedin in that series. So basically what I'm saying is that it's been a long time since the number three and number four seeds have met in the RBA championship. And it's been, I I guess, 12 years and it has happened twice. But again, both of those times were long, long ago, not even last decade, but the decade before. So, uh, so I think that's everything. Uh, Oh, I have one more announcement to make, and I'm glad I just now thought of it. Your Arizona greenbacks have made two trades that the commissioner has not announced. At least I don't think he's announced either either of them. Arizona trades Tristan McKenzie for Aaron Sivale. I believe that's how you pronounce his name. McKenzie, a little bit more upside, maybe a higher ceiling, but also a lower floor than Sivale. Sivale has some current value, whereas McKenzie really does not. And the other trade, which I just made with uh, Elm Grove, is, let's see if I can remember this correctly. I traded Joey Votto, who I technically haven't even gotten yet, but I'll be trading him as soon as I get him off Fort Duquesne. Joey Votto to Elm Grove for Colton Wong and the first two picks of the third round of this draft. So picks 25 and 26 overall. Anyway, there you have it. I think that's it for an episode. That's a wrap. I will see you all next time on This Week in Fake Ball.